Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm Dustin Levy here with Alex Martin and Dan DeLuca. Listeners, I hope you had a very happy Halloween. Yes, we are recording on Halloween today. We hope nothing spooky happens during the recording, like Alex getting all of his picks wrong. Alex, you came in costume today, uh, and I I think you're planning on dressing up tonight. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I came in with a dog mask. That means I'm going to pick all underdogs this week in the pick segment, so I think that'll be a a good way to maybe take the lead on you. We are picking all 16 games this week, so that'll be exciting, but uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, Halloween. You know, I'm happy that people like dressing up, and it's just just a good week because this kind of gets you into the season, gets you into the spirit uh, of winter and it's just the beginning, so I'm really looking forward to it. I myself am dressed up as I do every day as a tired sports reporter. Dan, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm a father who has three teenage girls, so Halloween can be a little terrifying uh, for me. It's also my wife's birthday, so got a lot going on over here. Oh, Dustin. nice. Happy birthday. All right. Well, let's dive into some of the action this week because we had a bunch of teams secure their spots in the playoffs. And let's start with kind of the most dramatic, the closest game of all of them. That was Immokalee Gulf Coast. The Indians getting revenge, getting the win, 13-10. And to tell you a little bit about that game, at halftime it was 13-7. So it was a big kind of defensive battle there. The Indians were able to get on the board on the opening drive uh, that lasted 10 minutes long. It had a fake punt conversion. It uh, finished with... Jaden Mixon getting a uh, rushing touchdown at the goal line. And then at the very end of the half, completely different kind of drive. A quick strike score when Tranum Villarreal hit Justin Compare on a screen pass that went for a 56-yard touchdown. So two very different kind of drives. It shows kind of uh, the multitudes that that offense has. The final two minutes were crazy. It looked for all the world that Gulf Coast was either going to tie or get the lead. But credit to the Immokalee defense for holding on a big sack on third down by Juan Cuevas when uh, Gulf Coast was out of timeouts. Immokalee used a a timeout anyway to get their defense aligned right. This allowed Gulf Coast to go for a 51-yard field goal. It missed. The Immokalee sideline celebrated a really big win for that program for James Elgato, uh, who has really turned that program around the last two years. This team is just two years removed from winning just two games in a season where they had to go independent because of a lack of players. Um, Dan, can you kind of put this in context for that Immokalee program as a a whole? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a really good win. Um, It's the first time back in the playoffs for Immokalee since uh, 2018 under Rodland Anthony. And uh, to be fair, Immokalee is a tough place to coach. You have a community there that is used to very high expectations. Um, They put a lot of pressure on the coach and that staff to deliver, and credit to James Delgado for coming through. Uh, I mean, if you go back to the days of John Weber, Immokalee was, it was Immokalee and Naples. They were neck and neck. Uh, For as much as Naples dominated Collier County uh, during the Bill Kramer era, 
they had trouble with Immokalee. That was about a 500 record between those two teams. It, it was a great game every year. Uh, the best team in Immokalee history uh, didn't make the playoffs. They were they were 10 and 0. They destroyed everyone that season, um, but they were banned from the playoffs because of an overage player uh, sort of investigation scandal. There were some overage players on the soccer team. One of them happened to be the kicker for the Immokalee football team the prior year, so they were banned from the postseason. And that was a state championship caliber team, and they just took it out on everyone that year. Um, one of the best teams that, that I've seen in my time down here. And, but since uh, John Weber left, uh, you know, they had Jared Ackley there for three years, went to a state championship game and wasn't asked back. So that's the type of standards that are there in Immokalee. So it'll remain to be seen if Delgado can bring that kind of stability there. But it's just nice to see Immokalee back in the playoffs because since I've been here, that's kind of where you expect Immokalee to be, where they belong. So it's nice to see that happen. Remains to be seen if, you know, this is the start of something or just sort of a, a, a one-season jump. But it's credit to Delgado the way they've turned that around because, like you said, you're talking about a program that struggled to get players a couple of years ago. And for Mockley, that's kind of unheard of. Uh, so congratulations to them. That's a huge win. There was a little less suspense involved in some of these other games. Bishop Rowe getting the win 52 nothing against Estero. Alex, uh, tell me a little bit about that one. Uh, just more domination. You know, Estero came into the one. I think they knew that they were underdogs. I mean, it's just it's hard for... You know, a team like uh, Verota really falter in, in a game like that. You know, they came ready. Carter Smith accounted for three more touchdowns. Uh, the ground game established itself. Vero, for the most part, offensively didn't have many problems. They just kind of went out and did their thing. The defense bent a little bit on some drives but didn't break. Uh, Leroy Roker had a pretty impressive an interception after watching it. Um, just reads Matt Wilson's eyes and... You know, he's scrambling to his right. He's just looking for a receiver. He thinks he has Fletcher Keene in the end zone. But Roker just tracks it down from about, I want to say, maybe five to seven yards away. He just jumps it and reads it. But, you know, all in all, I mean, we kind of expected this out of Vero. Not really surprising. You know, the ground game was established. They kind of just did a little bit of whatever they wanted there. And Vero's 9-1. and one. They're off this week. And... You know, they're likely to be the one seed uh, in 2S4 when that gets announced uh, on Sunday. Another private school getting the win was First Baptist, beating CSN for the district title 42-2. to Jaden Petit was able to get the receiving lead back over Winston Watkins. And I don't want to overlook Petit. Uh, he's a sophomore. He's caught 14 touchdowns this season. That's incredible. Yeah, without question. And right now, I think you can make the argument that he's on pace for 20. Like, he can legitimately get to 20 receiving touchdowns. Um, and, and we thought Olsen had a pretty good year a couple of years ago for them. You know, FBA dominating pretty much everybody. you got to cover both of them. I mean, you can't cover one. And if you do cover one, the other is going to feast. And Petit did. I wasn't shocked um, at this outcome. Maybe a running clock that surprised me a little bit, but I expected, you know, FBA to win handily in this one. Too good, too talented. Doesn't matter if they don't really have much of an established run game. Their receivers will win out in the day. And I mean, this is basically turned into an air raid offense, Dustin. And um, you look at where Ethan Crossan sits right now. He's 
I think he's matched Carter Smith's touchdown, uh, or he's on pace to eclipse that from last year. Carter Smith, obviously, on pace to eclipse his own record, so it should be interesting. But Carter Smith's uh, passing record last year in Lee County was 3,104 yards, Crossan sitting at 2,371. It's just just seems like it's wash, rinse, repeat for this first Baptist team. Not surprising. And, you know, they're going to go into the state tournament probably as the number one seed, and they're going to go into their region as the number one seed. And, and CSN and ECS and Moorhaven will have to go through them. And you mentioned ECS. They also secured their district this past weekend. Uh, what a win for them, uh, putting up 63 points against SFCA. Uh, Tanner Heldon throwing five touchdown passes, four of them to seven Bullock. He caught six passes for 134 yards. LJ Blackwell uh, rushed for 173 yards and two touchdowns. That offense is really clicking. They play CSN this week. That's going to be a good one. I'm really excited for that one. And, you know, credit to ECS in their first two years under Mac Mitchell going to the playoffs both years. God, I got a gripe with Mac Mitchell right now. How do you not get seven bulk another reception? I mean, come on. Come on. He was one away from seven. You got to get him another reception, Mac. Come on. Uh, maybe a good chance to do that this week. But, uh, yeah, they were undefeated last year in the regular season. Um, obviously didn't end the way that they wanted it to. Uh, but, you know, they're. I think they're in better shape this year than they are last year. They definitely scheduled tougher, and that's props to them. They played Lakeland Christian. They played uh, a Moorhaven team that was rumored to be pretty talented this year. They did lose a couple guys. But you got to give credit where credit's due, and that's you know what ECS did this year. Um, they seem to be in good shape, and they've always they've. I don't think they've fallen out of my top fifteen area wide. They've always been in it in some uh, way, shape, or form. They haven't cracked the top ten, but um, they could maybe do that next week uh, with a win here. Just depends on margin and everything. But I mean, they're just consistent. You know, you look at that receiving core they got. I think all f- their four guys are over 250 yards receiving, which gives Tanner Helton plenty of options. And, of course, we have to mention Dunbar sweeping their district for the third consecutive year. Dan, what can you tell me about the Tigers' win over South Fort Myers? Well, it looks like they're peaking at the right time. Um, you know, defensively, we kind of thought that was going to carry the load, especially early for Dunbar. But, you know, it, it did against South Fort Myers, too. I mean, they scored three defensive touchdowns. They held South Fort Myers to one offensive touchdown. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for Dunbar is that they've developed a running game. Uh, you know that, they're you know, they have weapons on the outside with Eric Fletcher and TJ Abrams. But that offensive line starting to solidify opening holes for Chris Singleton and and that's really what they need to take the pressure off of Austin Price give them the option uh, you know to be able to hand the ball off and that's just going to open up more opportunities for Fletcher and Abrams and I think Dunbar is really a dangerous team now heading into the playoffs Um, and you know you kind of questioned it early in the season especially with how they got handled by Port Charlotte in, in the classic and you're thinking well you know maybe this is the year that Dunbar takes a step back but right now they're playing their best football all the season that's exactly where you want to be in week 11 i mean ground game being established in every one of these games dustin that we've noticed for dunbar i mean just how important is that you know moving forward here because i mean early on it just the ground game was non-existent i mean vero really exploited dunbar's line but it seems like they've made the improvements uh over the course and down the stretch here uh, yeah, for the playoffs. I think they've definitely figured something out. Uh, Chris Singleton is definitely coming into his own. I mean, I saw him in, against Eastleigh. He looked fast. 
and uh, you know that that's that's going to open some things up for them in the passing game, and we know what kind of weapons they have in the passing game, as Dan mentioned. The last game I want to touch on was Golden Gate Laley. Uh, Golden Gate, after that win against Naples, they've really carried the momentum through. Alex, you were there. Tell me a little bit about that game. Yeah, for those who know, I mean, there's beef between the two teams, um, you know, just to put it lightly. But Golden Gate, you know, both teams started three and out. Trayvon Jean finally got things rolling. You know, he had 33 yards on that second drive. Uh, it was capped off by John Lee Honorat on an eight-yard keeper. Um, and then that's what the Golden Gate just just went to work after that and did everything Golden Gate does. I mean, they can run the ball effectively in just in normal shotgun. They can do it with with an option with, with Honorat in the backfield. They can throw the ball with Sam Powell. I mean, they can beat you in multiple ways. It makes it tough for opposing teams to prepare. And, and having seen Golden Gate a handful of times this year, they're scary good. I mean, they can they can score with the best of them. Um, and, and the defense is arguably one of the best I've seen this year. But, you know, Laley did have some success, and I will note this because it happened multiple drives. Um, Laley went to that warp speed tempo, and Golden Gate was not, I don't want to say not ready, but they just maybe were caught off guard here. Um, I, I looked at that, and Nino Joseph was finally getting chunk play after chunk play. Um, he's going to be good, guys, uh, Nino Joseph is. Um, he talented back, physical back. He might only be five foot six, five foot seven, but he's he's one heck of a runner, downhill type of guy. But you know, I looked at that Laley offense. I mean, it's there's a reason why it's reliant on the ground game. Just Colin Raymond just didn't have it Friday night, and you know, you got some receivers that were you know primed to make plays, but they just were never able to really establish much of anything consistently down uh, downfield, and that might be a testament to Golden Gate's DBs and, and coverages and pressures. Um, but you know they're a run first team for a reason, and um, but I do like what they've got moving forward. I mean, Tan- Javian Tantalus is only a sophomore; Joseph's a freshman. I'd be curious to see what they do with that backfield next year uh, and how it operates. But that loss there basically took Laley out of the playoffs and mathematically, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a must win for them, and they just didn't have it. And after the break, we are going to talk about those teams that are mathematically in the playoffs, so stay tuned. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Come on! Welcome back. We finally have enough stuff to talk about that we can look at some of these teams and say, okay, you're you're definitely in the playoffs. So we're going to first list all the teams that we expect to make it, uh, starting from 1S on up. We have ECS, CSN, and First Baptist. In 2S, we have Vero and Estero. In 3S, we have a whole bunch of teams, Fort Myers, Mariner, Dunbar, Naples, Golden Gate, and Baron Collier. And in 4S, we expect both Immokalee and Gulf Coast to make it. So looking at those, and maybe we'll have a few surprises after week 11, we decided we wanted to identify some X factors for the postseason. These are players who could make a big difference for their team's success. And we're going to start by each picking a player. And I'm going to go first, and I'm going to pick a player uh, that 
has already made a difference since he joined his team a month ago, and that is Winston Watkins at First Baptist. Since joining the Lions, he has caught 38 passes for 804 yards. Uh, that's an average of 160 yards a game and nine touchdowns. Um, just an easy choice. He could very well be the difference between this team repeating as state champions. And it's not that they didn't have a, a great passing offense before, but he just takes it to the next level. Alex, what player is your X Factor? Uh, I kind of got to look at, you know, Eric Fletcher kind of leading the Dunbar receiving core. Um, he's had a pretty good year. Um, he's up to 11 touchdowns this season. You know, he's been one who, you know, has maybe shared the spotlight a little bit with Twosky Abrams and, and Camden Rivera over the last couple weeks. Uh, but I think he's in line to maybe get his because I think teams will look at trying to cover Twosky first and then maybe Fletcher, but I kind of look at that Dunbar receiving core just as a whole, maybe kind of make things happen and take the pressure off of Austin Price. Dan, who do you pick? Uh, I'm going to stay in uh, 3S Region 4. I mean, it's such a tightly packed region. So many really quality teams in there, really one through eight. I'm going to go with Madrid Tucker. Those first two round games in this region, they're going to be so tight. And you're really going to need your special players to come up and make special plays. And for Fort Myers, that's Tucker. I mean, I go back to that game against Dunbar, double overtime game. I mean, he single-handedly almost won that game for Fort Myers. Um, can do it on offense, uh, defense. He can take away uh, one of your best uh, wide receiving options. He can score on defense in the return game on special teams. He's a threat. Uh, and if Fort Myers is going to try to make a little bit of run here in, in a real loaded region, they're going to need him to come up big. Next, we're going to talk about an aspect of a team that can be an X-Factor. This can be uh, a position group. This can be offense, defense, special teams. Um, in terms of a phase of game, I'll be very impressed if one of you brings a special teams unit to me. Alex, who do you have here? Uh, look at the Vero linebackers, uh, Micah Anderson, Craig Thompson, Jeremiah Dean, Parker Turner. Um, Parker Turner will be out for a couple weeks with a knee injury, but nonetheless, uh, that linebacking core is still really good. Uh, the secondary seems to be doing its thing. They're just doing their job, kind of limiting big plays, not allowing big plays. Um, the Vero linebacking core is going to need to come up huge here, and I, and I think they're going to. I mean, McCray Thompson's kind of their pressure guy. Micah Anderson can tackle. Jeremiah Dean's just been high volume uh, through his four years. And Parker Turner, when he comes back, he's a six foot three linebacker that can cover too. Um, almost comes off as a safety hybrid type. Uh, but I think you got to look at them and, and assume that they're going to make things happen and they're going to be the X factor in the postseason on defense. The group I have for this is the Fort Myers offense. Dan had mentioned what Madrid Tucker can do, but also Chris McFoley at quarterback. He's really playing well right now. The Fort Myers uh, offense, that unit, is averaging 36 points a game. If you take out that shutout loss to St. Thomas Aquinas, it's 41 points a game, and they just have an explosive factor that is really – heating up right now, and I think if they're going to make something happen in the postseason, it's going to be because of the offense. Dan, uh, what group do you think uh, could make a difference here? I'm staying in 3S, and I'm going to say the Dunbar defense. Um, we know what they can do against opposing offenses. They can, they can shut them down. But now they can score, too, and that's just such uh, – that can swing a game so much in the postseason when your defense can actually put points on the board for you. You saw what they did against South offense last week, three defensive touchdowns. That might be asking you know for a little too much in the playoffs, but – 
they have such a good secondary. And, you know, if they end up going against Fort Myers, you know, in kind of a rematch with the way that passing game is performing, or Baron Collier and Nico Boyce, I, I mean, they can really swing that game because they have such a talented secondary. And, uh, you know, if Dunbar wants to make another run, you know, to the state semis or, or you know, maybe beyond, it's going to be the defense that's going to have to come up huge for them. And the last X factor we're going to discuss is maybe more of a big picture narrative, something motivating a team, uh, something more abstract. And I'm going to start here um, and going to stay with Dunbar and uh, just talk about their local success. Um, and that's something that I just don't think should be overlooked. I know they had that long streak against local competition come to an end against Bishop Road this season. But they're not going to have to play Bishop Road this season. And also that's a road team that is kind of above the field right now. But what Dunbar has done the, the last three years, sweeping their district, what they did last year, upsetting Naples in the playoffs, uh, the two overtime wins against Fort Myers the last couple of years. This is a team that until you know I see a, a team kind of of their caliber in 3S beat them, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, to pick against them. They just have that, you know. Aha, X Factor. <laughs> Alex, uh, what was your thoughts here? Motivating factor. I mean, I look at Naples as a team, and, you know, I think that they uh, maybe not feel disrespected, but they're motivated But right now because, I mean, in our rankings, they're the third best team in Collier County. Just by default, Golden Gate uh, beat them on the road, um, and FBA beat Golden Gate. So I think maybe Naples is, is hungry just to prove that they are not the third best team in Collier County right now. Uh, that's where they're. That's where they stand right now. Obviously, that can change. But you know, Naples has been motivated, and they've long been kind of the top dog in Collier for a while. You know, not the case right now. But I, I think you know, just with the outcomes that have been going their way, I think they're more than motivated to maybe uh, shock a few people this postseason and prove that. You know, even without all their Power 5 guys that they lost last year, Kendrick Raphael, Isaiah uh, Agustave, Jonas DeClona, Kerry Brown, that they can still compete and that they could still win big ball games. Dan, what is your big picture X Factor? Uh, I think I'm going to look at FBA and their, you know, the, the experience that they gained from last year's championship run. I mean, I mean, I think we can all agree that Bishop Rowe has been the best team in our area this year, but... I think we can also agree that no one has a clearer path to a potential state championship than FBA. Uh, They're far and away uh, the best team in that class. If CSN is the second best team, I mean, we saw, according to the FHSA rankings, we saw what happened when those two teams matched up last week. But at some point, you're going to face some adversity in the postseason. It just happens. Nobody, very rarely, are you going to blow everybody out all the way to a state championship. And I think the experience they gained from going through that last year, you know, not just the players who are back, but also the coaching staff. You know, what, what do you say to a team at halftime, you know, when they're, when they're not performing well and they're down and you've got one half left to save, to save your season? Um, I, I think that experience is just invaluable. The fact that it's so recent, uh, they'll be able to draw upon it, and it'll just make them that much tougher of an out once the playoffs get going. Good stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. And after the break, we are going to have a supersized pick segment, so stay tuned. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, 
Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Let's go! All right, and welcome back to Pick Segment Deluxe Edition. We are picking all 16 games on the slate this week. We're going all in as uh, Season 6 winds down here in a couple weeks. We all went 9-1 and one last week in different capacities. Dan and I both got Baron Collier over St. Brendan correct. Dustin picked St. Brendan, and then we got Gulf Coast beating Immokalee wrong, and that's where Dustin and his coin evened and leveled out the score dustin using a coin this week what are we using here just my own mind dan do we bring anything any any scary halloween things for the picks i i just feel like we expanded this to really put the pressure on dustin Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't care we have more opportunities (laughs) to take him down this week rig the game i don't care I'm, i'm gonna get them all right this week just to start uh, going to have this for at least two more weeks. Coming into this one, Dustin, uh, through 100 games actually, on the nose, Dustin has picked 82 correctly. Dan has picked 80, and I have picked 79 correctly. Uh, so two guys at 80% and one hovering right around that. Uh, starting it off Thursday night football, SFCA going to IMG Blue. Dan, starting it with you here. IMG Blue. I'm going to also pick IMG Blue. Dustin, you get the last pick here. Uh, what's their mascot? Are they also the Ascenders? They are the Ascenders. Okay, yes. well, the Blue Ascenders, I picked them. Okay, sounds good. That is one for one. This is going to be almost going to come off as rapid fire in some of these games. We'll get into it uh, on the more competitive games down the slate. Uh, Oasis headed to St. Stephen's. Um, this is an SSAA game. Dustin, starting it with you here. The Sharks have quietly put together a good year, 6-3. and three. Do they get win number 7? Uh, yes, they have had a great season, but I'm picking St. Stephen's here. I am also picking St. Stephen's. Uh, two teams matched up earlier this year. St. Stephen's 129-7. Dan? Yes, yeah, St. Stephen's, they've had, uh, they're proven uh, to be successful in this conference in the playoffs. I think they're going to continue that. Nonetheless, though, great year so far for Oasis win or lose. Uh, Jason Green took over a program that had lacked coaching stability over the last couple of years. Uh, but shifting over to another SSAA contest, Harvest Community headed to Canterbury, both three win teams. Um, I'll start here. I don't really like either team in a blowout, but I'm going to lean home team. Dustin. I'm also taking the Cougars. Uh, Joe De La Nuez kind of showed out last week with a special team touchdown, two offensive touchdowns, interception. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're playing well right now. Dan? Three for three. Three Staying with Canterbury. Well, well, four for four. Um, This pick should last maybe 10 seconds. Ida Baker, Palmetto, uh, at Palmetto. I'm going to take Palmetto. Same. Agree. Done. All right. uh, Next game on the slate, Port Charlotte headed to Island Coast. Pirates have a chance to put together an eight-win season. Island Coast trying to finish uh, 500, I believe. Dan, circling it back to you. Um, Coast has had an okay little season, um, but you know it seems like they're facing a pretty uh, formidable opponent here. Yeah, I mean, Port Charlotte, I think, is the team that really nobody in 3S Region 4 wants to face in the first round. Uh, they're going to win this game pretty easily. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. Uh, Port Charlotte, one of the best teams in the area. Surprised they're not a top three seed right now in the region, uh, but I'm going to take the Pirates. Same. All right. 
That is, I mean, we're we're all in unison, so we're all we might have a chance to get to a hundred wins just in this pick segment for a couple of you guys. Eric, we'll be close. Uh, headed in the next week. Uh, but the next one, Gateway at Eastleigh. I, I failed to mention this earlier in the podcast, but Eastleigh has a chance to finish 500 this year at 5-5. Five and five. Um, And that's a, that's a testament to Urban's Paul and just being able to turn that program around. They haven't really had much success over the year, but I will start and make the pick here and go to Dustin. after. Uh, but I'm going to go with Eastleigh to get their fifth win of the year and to, to beat Gateway. Yeah, I like the Jags. Uh, Laz Rogers, uh, he, I think he scored like four touchdowns last week. He's having an incredible season, 1,300-plus yards, 14 touchdowns. So, yeah, I'm taking Eastley against Gateway. Of course. Dan? Yeah, I agree. Just uh, too many offensive weapons for Eastley. They'll win. Yeah, and that, that's a good maybe momentum-building win into the offseason. Uh, they have some youth coming back, so that'll be exciting to see and see if they can build off of this past season. Uh, but next game on the slate, ABF Academy out of Hialeah headed to Aubrey Rogers. Um, take your pick here and flip a coin, Dustin. I, I used uh, your little Cal Preps website for this one, and they have Aubrey Rogers getting their second win in the season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them. The computer's clipping at about 80. Uh, percent The model gets better with more data. Uh, I am also in on Aubrey Rogers to get their second win of the year and to close things out uh, the right way, Dan. Who am I to pick against the computer? Aubrey Rogers. <laughs> of course. Next up, uh, shifting into a couple rivalries. Uh, the Battle of the Gate here. Golden Gate hosting Palmetto Ridge. This one should be over early. Uh, Golden Gate, better team, better defense, better offense. Um, I'm going to go with the Titans, Dan. Yeah, I mean, you could look at a situation where... You know, maybe in week 11, you've already clinched playoff spot. You kind of take your foot off the gas. Not in a rivalry game, though. Uh, and Golden Gate's just a better team. Golden Gate wins easily. Yeah, and picking up on that, Dustin, I mean, they're, they're playing for seeding, too. I mean, and assuming the FHSA rankings indicate what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, it, it's, you know, Naples is hanging right with Golden Gate for that top seed in the region. Um, you know, no resting guys this week at all, it seems. Yeah, I have Golden Gate here, but shout out to Palmetto Ridge that they got their first win on the field of the season last week against DeSoto County, so good for them. Yeah, in 15 tries, I mean, they snapped a 15-game losing streak dating back to last year. Good to see that happen. Um, but yeah, all three of us, Golden Gate, uh, and probably Golden Gate big. Game number eight on the slate, uh, Jaws versus Claws. Uh, it is Benita Springs headed to Estero. You know, this one, you know, anything can happen. Every, you know, Rich Dombrowski and Darren Nelson tell us every time, you know, throw the records out the window at media day. Uh, you know, both teams coming off losses. Dustin circling it back to you, Cats, Bull Sharks. I have the Wildcats here. It's nice to say, you know, throw the records out the window, but I just don't think I've seen enough from the Bull Sharks to convince me that they're going to win this game. The, this is one where I think that argument this year might be all for naught. I, I think Estero is just head and shoulders the better team, and I think it's going to reflect Friday night, Dan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially with, you know, obviously they didn't play the way they wanted to against Bishop Rowe, and you want to end the season on a strong note heading into the postseason, which Estero is, I think, comfortably. Not that I pretend to understand how the FHSA does their rankings um but i think astero wins of course uh game number 10 on the slate this had some drama last year and you know it doesn't seem like it's going to carry as much drama this year Amakali headed to Laley. this one's interesting indians secured a playoff spot Laley four and five trying to avoid you know, a skid going to four straight games after starting four and two um 
Laley won this game and played their way into the playoffs last year because of that win. Obviously not the same situation, Dustin, but what do you think about this one? I mean, this is kind of the first of, I mean, really our, our toss-up games here. Yeah, it's almost like the playoffs have already started for Mockley. Gulf Coast, obviously, that had huge stakes. And this one, I think, is going to be a really tough matchup. Um, but I think the Indians do not want to go into the playoffs at 5-5. Five and five. And that's kind of the little X factor here that uh, that's why I'm going to take them. Dan? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about two teams that just came off really emotional games previous week. Uh, Mockley's was for a playoff spot. Uh, Laley's was with Golden Gate. Uh, and there's obviously uh, some drama there. I think that memory, though, of, of Laley beating Mockley last year at Mockley's home field, I think that'll carry over for the Indians. I think they're a little bit of a better team, and I, and I think they'll be up for this game, and they'll win. Yeah, Mockley's... Chance to move to six and four, secure their first winning season for certain. They, you know, if they win this game, they won't be a 500 team uh, headed into the off season. I, I think Amakli is in good shape. Uh, next game on the slate, rivalry game, battle of two win programs. North Fort Myers headed to Riverdale. Uh, both teams like to run the ball effectively. They do it in different capacities and different styles. Uh, Dustin, starting it with you, and then I'll make the pick. Uh, Red Knights, Raiders. Your thoughts on on this game, because you've seen these two teams. Yes, um, I saw Riverdale last week in the Battle of the Bell. Um, I got to see Cole Hayes in person, which I was very impressed. It's one thing to kind of see the numbers, but uh, he's definitely, uh, as advertised, a very good player. Less convincing was the Riverdale defense, so and that's kind of going to make me take North here. Yeah, North Fort Myers, I mean, if, say what you want about their season. Um, I think they're going to ride you know, into the offseason with a momentum and with a win streak. I'm going to take North here as well. I just Riverdale's defense has got to prove to me that they can stop somebody that's maybe a, a pretty talented opponent. Um, you know, they've allowed 47, 35, 38, 36, 29, 35, 62, 0, and 48 points in their nine games this year. Um, North will be tough to stop, and, and I think Adrian Stone up front will maybe limit, uh, you know, Cole Hayes' rushing attempts. I'm going to go with North. Dan. No, I agree. I think North has really made it a point that they want to finish the season strong, even though it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. Uh, they're 2-7, and seven, but they have a positive point differential, which is pretty hard to do. Um, and that's because they've lost so many close games this year, four games by seven or fewer points. Uh, I think they took out a little bit of that frustration last week against Island Coast, and I think they're going to do it again this week against Riverdale. North wins. Of course. And then, Dan, you'll be covering this game on Thursday. Cape Coral headed to Fort Myers. I, I don't see a situation in which the Greenies drop this one. I think they get to eight wins. No, I think they do. And, you know, just like we talked about earlier, they're still playing for seeding uh, there in Region 4, trying to hold off Dunbar and, uh, you know, kind of maybe getting that three spot. Uh, although, again, you know, things could be fluid here. But I, I think Fort Myers keeps their foot on the gas. They win. Chris McFoley heating up at the right time, accounted for six touchdowns against Cypress Lake, had six touchdowns against Tampa Catholic, three more against Cypress Lake. Um, I imagine Dustin, he's just going to continue that strong quarterback play here, anchor in the Greenies. Yeah, I have Fort Myers here. Yeah. Next game on the slate, rivalry games. Dunbar headed to Lehigh this one, you know, without no Richard Young for the first time in, in four years, and uh, this one should be pretty – uh, at least Antoine Dixon thinks it's going to be competitive. He's confident his team can win this one. Dustin, you talked to him. I mean, you saw this Lehigh team last week. 
Do you think that they have enough? I was very impressed by Lehigh. These past couple weeks, you look at the scores and you're like, whoa, um, Dorian Mallory, maybe one of his best career games, um, throwing four touchdown passes, rushing for two. Terrence Smith Jr., a- another player that really impressed me at wide receiver. It's just hard to pick against Dunbar locally, so I- I'm taking the Tigers. A lot of these guys know each other, too. I mean, Dorian Mallory is buddies with a lot of those guys. Um, I-, I think Dunbar is a is a favorite on the road. But, I mean, Lehigh is, is showing a little bit. I mean, they're scoring in-, in some of these games. It's just a matter of can you stop Dunbar's offense. And, I mean, I, I don't think they can. But we'll see. And But I, I think I'm going to take Dunbar. But this is one I kind of look at. Maybe it's a trap game for Dunbar. Maybe they're looking ahead and just looking into the playoffs because they know they're in. But, Dan, I mean, do you, can Lehigh win this one, or are you with us on the Dunbar train? Well, I can't talk about Dunbar's defense and their great secondary and their potential to shut down passing attacks and then pick Lehigh. Uh, Lehigh hasn't shown that it can consistently run the football this year, so it's going to be Dorian Mallory. It's going to be that passing attack, and, and they put up a lot of points on that Riverdale defense, but this isn't the Riverdale defense they're playing this week. This is Dunbar's secondary, and I think they'll pick them off a couple times, and they'll do enough where Dunbar will win this game course uh three more games to pick um we might have some maybe some uh, disagreement here we've been in unison on all 13 of these first games csn headed to ecs this is a battle of number 13 and number 14 in our rankings i'll start here i mean csn didn't really impress me uh the first time around I think I'm going to take ECS to win at home. I think the receiving core and the running game is getting to where it needs to be. I'm going to go with the Sentinels, Dustin. I'm taking the Sentinels, too. Um, Last year, ECS put up 67 points against CSN, and I think this is a better ECS team. They played tougher teams this year, so I think they're going to win at home. Dan? I really want to pick something different. Because I'm not going to be able to make up any ground on Dustin if I echo all of his picks. But I just hey. I don't see it. I, I think ECS has too many offensive weapons. CSN has a nice line, good size line. But I think ECS is more dynamic in the passing game. they got LJ Blackwell. Looks like he's healthy, running the ball well. They're at home. I think ECS wins. Hey, you got two. You, we, got the, we got at least two weeks. I mean, you, you can make up some ground. Plenty of games to pick. But game number nine on the slate, Mariner headed to South Fort Myers. Mariner has a chance to get to nine wins in a legitimate shot to do so. Um, Dustin, I'll start it with you here. Tritons, Wolfpack, South, I mean, it, it, to mathematically stay in the picture, they need to win here. But, I mean, I think we all agree that they've been unable to do enough. Um, do they win here at home? I'm going to take South here. We don't have uh, the latest rankings out yet, so we don't know about their chances to make the postseason. I, I'm not sure if Mariner can get out of that eight spot that they're currently in. Um, so maybe they'll choose to rest players. But either way, I just think that South might have that little extra motivation, being that this game might matter a little more to them. That's the thing. I, and I think Mariner is kind of locked into that eight to where they could rest a guy like Justin Lewis and just maybe play him a half or play him a quarter and just say, well, you know, we've got enough. We've already got Noah Tolbert injured. Keelan Davidson's injured. Let's just, you know, this game does not affect our seating in either way. Um, that'll be an interesting approach to look at, especially if Mariner is unable to catch Parrish. But, Dan, I mean, do you do you see Mariner winning this one or kind of the chips and sows uh, favor here? I completely agree with both of your rationales. I think 
you know, even though South lost last week in disappointing fashion, you know, you go from having a chance to win the district to now being on the outside looking in. I, I think Willis May will be able to pick them back up and say, hey, you know, we've got a shot this week if we can beat a playoff team, you know, a locked in playoff team in Mariner. I don't, not sure if it'll be enough, but with all the injuries that Mariner has, I think they're going to approach this game smartly. Um, they want to still have a good performance, I think, heading into the postseason, but you need to have your players, your best players, uh, be available as well. I think South needs it more, um, and I think they'll win. Yeah, I, I think Wolfpack should be favored at home here. Um, I'd be shocked if, if they let their guys kind of play. I mean, it's just one of those where I, I actually will admit I saw on Max Preps this week that Golden Gate had a game on November 10th with Mariner. Take that for what it's worth. If that was a coach that put that in, we I don't know who put that in. But that might be the sense that you know Mariner's the 8, Golden Gate's the 1, and, and there's nothing that can be changed there. Um, I, I don't know if Mariner can track Parrish. But nonetheless, uh, I'm going to join you guys and go with South, which sets up our game of the week. Catfish Bowl, Baron Collier at Gulf Coast. Baron Collier has failed to win the last two times it has gone to Tudrin Field. Does that change this year? I mean, can Baron get over the hump against the Sharks the last time they went to their place? Gulf Coast beat them and knocked them out of the playoffs. I've learned my lesson uh, picking against Mark Jackson. <laughs> so I'm going to take the Cougars. Um, just watching Gulf Coast last week, I was incredibly impressed by the defense. They gave their offense opportunities. But I think the difference between Immokalee and Gulf Coast was that lack of kind of explosiveness on the offense. Barron, we know, has explosiveness. Brody Graham, Nikki Boyce. So I, I like the Cougars to win this. Dan? I'm going to pick something different just because we need to pick something different. I'm going to pick Gulf Coast. Any just re- for that reason. Just just for to that be different, reason. It's a rivalry game. They're at home. Uh, they have a good defense. I don't know about the offense, but crazy things can happen. Maybe they'll score on defense. But the primary thing is we need to have one different, and I will pick Gulf Coast. I will suck it up and pick Gulf Coast. I, I, I might join you just because, like yeah. – Gulf Coast has beaten them the last couple of years, and you know maybe this is a game where Barron falters. I mean, this is you know last year Gulf Coast beat them twenty-four to seven on the road, and, and outside of Nico Boyce, this Barron Collier team is not that much different. And this is one where anything can happen, and I think we've seen that. I mean, heck, Chris Jimenez could have two more pick sixes in this game. Um, you know, I, I'm very tempted to pay pick Gulf Coast you know I'm I'm in third place so I'm going to I'm going to go with the Sharks Mark Jackson I will not be at the game so I I can't get an outstanding quote from you if you guys win but uh I'm going to go with the Sharks too I I think you know home team and home crowd matters and I think Todd Nichols is going to want to right the ship after last week's loss to Immokalee so that wraps up the pick segment either Dustin's running away with it or we get a game closer you know, you'll find out next week, you know, in our podcast. Be sure to go to news-press.com slash sports and naplesnews.com slash sports for all your high school football content here in Southwest Florida. We'll have picks, previews. Uh, we'll be covering the playoff selection show on Sunday. We'll know for certain who's in, who's out, rather than just speculating and predicting. Uh, so that'll be exciting. And, I mean, guys, we're going to be talking about playoff matchups next week. I mean, just how crazy is that? And maybe is there a matchup you guys are looking forward to before we sign off? 
I just anything in 3S is, is yeah. you know, we'll have a lot of local clashes, which is going to be exciting. If you had to pick two teams, just based on like where things stand right now, what, what would be the most appetizing first round matchup for you in 3S? Oh, Dunbar Fort Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That that would be that'd be the game to see. I don't know that we can see it in the first round in in terms of the way the seedings would break out, but you know, it's a possibility that that would be a great rematch to see. Yeah, without a doubt, and maybe maybe we see Port Charlotte Dunbar in the first round. Those two teams play in the preseason. There's a lot of a lot of potential for some competitive first round matchups. And you look right to three S, and and uh, you know I gotta agree with the guys. I mean, it's either Dunbar Fort Myers or Dunbar Port Charlotte. I think those are plausible scenarios. But we'll find out next week. So be sure to come back for Season 6, Episode 13. For Dustin Levy, Dan DeLuca, our wonderful producer, Amanda Inscore, I am Alex Martin signing off. See you next week. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Halloween. And happy holidays. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.